I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where you feel um, off physically, like, almost like you're sick, but you don't have any real specific symptoms. Um, and you think, maybe this is, is this a seasonal thing? Is this a psychological thing? Is it, am I really sick? Um, you know, just feel off. And when something's not uh, right physically, we, we go back to our baseline. You say, okay, well, have I been, sleep, have I been sleeping well? Have I been eating well, am I exercising or getting outside? Or, um, you know, what has changed in my life where I'm not feeling quite right? You know, am I at peace with the people around me? Those kind of things. Same thing spiritually. Sometimes we feel uh, that we're spiritually, we're, we're off. We're not sure quite what it is. Um, when, when something feels off, we need to get back to a baseline. We need to get back to foundation to say, oh, okay, am I seeking first God's kingdom? Am I walking in step with God's spirit? Am I following Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? And, you know, what has changed in that? And, you know, can we get back to our foundation? And I hope today it will be something of that, that we'll consider again really the, the baseline foundation of living life in God's kingdom, in our world. And if anything feels offline from, from this teaching of Jesus, that we might uh, realign our hearts and seek him to, uh, to bring us back to that place. So to do that, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew. And y- you know that I love to preach the Old Testament. I love preaching the minor prophets and the history books. And we just finished Amos, and I love that stuff. But it is good for us to also... Uh, spend some time and really stew in these more familiar passages of Scripture. And so, you know, in every, as we preach, you know, every uh, certain number of months, every couple of years, we like to spend more of an extended time in one of the Gospels. And so we've preached recently through Luke and before that through Mark and before that through John. So we're, we're, we're back to Matthew. And that's good. That's a good thing uh, because it's, it's so good. And Matthew's gospel, if you look at it, kind of big picture, there's five major sections in this gospel, sort of five, uh, broken by five uh, groups of teaching of Jesus, five discourses. And we're going to start with the first and the most famous of these teachings, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount uh, begins with what we call the Beatitudes, or these blessings. And there's a series of, of eight blessings that Jesus teaches about. And as we consider these blessings, they're going to bring us back to our foundation, our baseline, this foundational way of life. Okay, what, what, does, or what is life supposed to look like as I walk with Jesus in his kingdom? Because Jesus came and he ushered in a new kingdom and he invited us by faith to join in that, to be part of his kingdom. But we live it out in a world that's still very broken. And so it, it, doesn't, it doesn't always resonate with the world around us, living in the kingdom and, and living in, the, in the, this broken world. So it can, be, it can feel countercultural and not always obvious or easy, this way of life. But before we jump in, I'll just say, kind of as a word of warning, because this teaching is so famous and so familiar that it can be, uh, it can be problematic. I mean, very famous phrases. Where Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Very famous saying. He teaches, turn the other cheek. Again, a very famous teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies, Jesus taught. Uh, wear your... 
uh, where your heart is, uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus taught, every day has enough worry of its own. It, it just again and again, these phrases that people, people who aren't even Christians would know. In fact, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, this is how, well, when you pray, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Some of the most famous words that we pray and are spoken, Jesus taught in this very teaching. Uh, there was even once a Buddhist monk who said that the Sermon on the Mount was the most profound teaching in the history of the world. You know, somebody who doesn't even follow Jesus sees this as, as beautiful teaching. The problem is, we can, because it's, so, it's such beloved teaching and so famous, that people can be inclined towards it, even if they're not inclined towards Jesus. They read this type of teaching and they say, wow, that's a really amazing way of life. i got to get at that. I've got to try harder at that. But Jesus made it clear that you cannot, uh, by any effort of your own, walk in this kingdom. It's only by an act of God, a supernatural act of God's grace, to transform us, to draw us into this kingdom. That's why last week's message was so important. It's about Jesus the king who comes and we are to follow the king. Jesus said, follow me, and this is what it's going to look like. But we need his work in our hearts, and we need to follow him. It's about Jesus. It's not about our own power or our effort. And so we've got to follow the king first. So as we follow the king, he said, look, as you follow me, you're going to understand life in my kingdom. And we see here that God's kingdom is a kingdom of blessings. It's a kingdom of blessings. You're blessed as you follow Christ in this kingdom. And the blessings are not based on uh, the standards of the world, but they are blessed on God's standards and his perfect kingdom. And we can experience these things. So I want to look through these eight blessings. And because there's eight of them, you, it, this is going to be easy. It'll be easy for me to get lost on sidetracks. It could be easy for you as well. Um, so at the, at, at the end of this all, what I'm hoping is that, is there one of these or maybe two of these that really stand out to you? that sort of shimmer for you as we talk about them, whether it's something you want to grow in or, or something you feel is offline and something that you could be praying about and focusing on this week. So of these eight, maybe one will stand out to you. And then after worship, when I, when I see you outside, I'll say, hey, which one was it? Which one stood out for you? And you'll be able to answer me. Or you could just avoid me afterwards. So let's pray. Father, this is your word. And it's, your word is so good. It is... It is, like, it is like sweet honey to the taste. It is so fulfilling and satisfying. And I pray that we would just hear your word again and let it go just deep into our souls. May it feed us and nourish us, Lord. Help us to see uh, if there's where we need to get back to this baseline. And we thank you that there are great blessings uh, in your kingdom. And we, we, just, we praise you for it because each is a gift from you. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, and that reminds me too, that um, all of these blessings are gifts from God. They're not about earning anything from God. So when, this is, this is not a formula. Jesus did not give us a formula how to get blessed by God. This is what you do to get God's blessings. This is follow me, and these are the blessings that flow from a way of life in my kingdom. This is who gets blessed, not how to get blessed, if that makes sense. These are characteristics and marks of those who are being transformed 
in the likeness of Jesus. Um, but as you follow Jesus in this way, it's not, a, it's not a means of obtaining blessing, but you do experience these blessings. And they are for you. And they are good. So let's take a look at them. Each of these eight. And actually, I see these eight as, uh, and I'm not the first, but to, to see them really building off one another, that it's actually like links of a chain that connect to one another or sort of rungs of a ladder that climb upward uh, as we go. So let's, we'll see kind of how they relate to each other. First, the first one. Verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is the first step in the path. It's the first rung of the ladder. It's a very low rung. It's very close to the ground. Later, we're going to talk about purity. This is a lack of purity. Later, we're going to talk about giving mercy. This is those who, these are those who need mercy. The first step of faith is not what I have. It's about what I lack. It's a poverty of spirit. Again, the blessings of God's kingdom are not for spiritual giants. It's not for those who are most disciplined in prayer. It's not uh, for those who are um, most influential morally or for whatever reason. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's a low position. And when you're in that low position, you're in the place to receive the blessing. And here's the blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When you realize that you're not a spiritual giant, but you are spiritually bankrupt, you're very close to the kingdom. You're there to experience the blessing that God's kingdom is yours. Because in order to understand Jesus, in order to understand the king, you need to realize that we are broken and sinful and that we need that. Even in Jesus' day, there were spiritual leaders. There were religious leaders. And they were, they were influential, many of them. And there was different camps of leaders. They were not the ones who were drawn to Jesus' kingdom. The ones who were first drawn to Jesus' kingdom were the down and out, were the people who were seen as sinful, who were very broken. And when we understand our spiritual poverty, then we, then we are blessed to know that we can be part of this kingdom because the king brings us in. So if today, if you sit here and you say, you know what? Spiritually, I'm feeling pretty poor. I have not accomplished what I need to accomplish. I am just in a, in a low place. You're in a good place. Because blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The, the second blessing is blessed are those who mourn, or happy are the unhappy. Uh, blessed are those who mourn. This is sort of the next step. You realize your poverty of spirit, but then it breaks your heart. Mourning, and it doesn't, there's no context to the mourning. It's, mourning could be that you've you know, lost a loved one. That's most typically how we use that kind of language or that word. But it's, it's really a, a, a grief. And in a spiritual sense, you realize you're poor in spirit, and then you grieve over it. It's more than just saying, okay, yeah, I'm a sinner, or I confess my sin. But it's, I confess my sin, and it breaks my heart where I am. The condition of my heart. I'm, I'm weeping over it. I'm genuinely broken. Jesus himself wept over sin. Of course, it wasn't his own sin. When Jesus went to the city, and he's looking over Jerusalem, and he sees how how everybody's just wandering in sin and just so lost, like sheep without a shepherd, and Jesus just weeping over the sin of God's people. We, we see this over and over again in Scripture. Remember Amos, you know, there was a scene where he's weeping over the sins of his people, or 
Last summer, we looked at the story of Ezra. He was so broken by the sin of his people. Remember, he was pulling out his beard, and he was just sitting and just so broken by that. And this is actually a good thing. There is blessing um, as we mourn the condition of, of our world, of our own hearts. The blessing is that there will be comfort. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That we're in a low place because of, whether it's because of loss or because of our own brokenness, God is there to say, in my kingdom, I restore and I heal and I am near you when you grieve. Blessed are those who mourn. The third blessing is blessed are the meek in verse 5. It's the next step from being, uh, from acknowledging the, the poor, the poverty of my spirit and to grieving over it and being humble before God is being humble and meek before other people. Meek here meaning gentle or humble and considerate. Those who have a gentle spirit, a meek spirit. The opposite of this would be the proud, the pride. We know God hates pride. We've talked about that. But this is where we are following the king because Jesus the king was meek. And he had all the authority. He had all the power of God. Everything that you see in our world that is created is created through him and for him. And as Philippians chapter 2 teaches, he, Jesus did not see his divine nature as something that would be for his own advantage. But he made himself nothing. He takes on human flesh. takes on the form of a servant. And he comes to, to live and be meek and to give his life for others. Not to take and not to gain, to be meek. And Jesus here says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's the meek person who's the one who owns it all. It's the meek person who, that all that is, they are part of it in God's kingdom. And it's, it's not weapons of power or of persuasion. It's weapons of kindness and, and meekness. And a meek nature can defeat a rough nature. I came across this quote. The anvil stands while the hammer beats upon it, but one anvil wears out many hammers. The anvil stands still while the hammer beats upon it, but one anvil wears out many hammers. I have a family member who has a dog. It's a terrible dog. It's a bad dog. And... Um, they rescued, and I'm glad they, whatever they rescued this dog from must have been terrible because it was just, just the worst dog. And this dog's name is Luna. And Luna, when I go over their house, barks at me incessantly the whole time without stopping. Uh, Luna is a bad dog. So Luna's, and Luna's not a big dog. And, and I'm, I, oh, and Luna hates men, which still, so that's part of it too. And so I go in, Luna's barking at me. And then at first, I just say, you know, I, Kind of yell back, quiet, go away. And she kind of skitter off and then come right back, barking, barking. I don't know if she thinks I'm going to go away. I could be there for hours. And this dog barking, barking. So uh, what my uh, beloved family member told me was, um, you, the, the instruction was, if you completely ignore her, she'll stop. So from the moment I walk in, I have to pretend like this dog's not even there. So I walk through the door, and I'm kind of looking up, and Luna's right there. And I'm talking with everyone, and if I look down, 
starts going. But if I don't even look down and I give it enough time, she stops. We live in a world that wants to, you know, bark back at everything, to just to, to speak my mind, to defend my rights, to, to, to fight, fight, fight. And there comes a time Jesus said, you know, blessed are the meek. Maybe you're not constantly asserting your rights, but it's not all about you. It's about gentleness. It's about kindness. And when you live that way, the earth is yours. You have everything you need. You're completely content. You can genuinely um, have enjoyment of life, and it's not based on what you have because it's all yours. So when other people have more than you, you can be glad for them. Like, that's great that people have these things because the whole world is ours. You know when you're sick and someone says, yeah, you're sick, but it could be way worse. There's people who are way sicker than you. And that's supposed to make you feel better? It's like that makes me feel better that somebody else is really sick? That's terrible. If I'm sick and hurting and somebody's hurting worse than me, now I feel worse. Because I feel bad, they must feel horrible. But if you're sick and someone says, hey, you know, you're pretty sick right now, but there's so many people in this world who are healthy. You say, praise God. Actually, that's a good thing. That gives me hope. Because I don't want people to have what I have. But you can have this kind of attitude that genuinely believes that everything is yours in Christ as we, as we follow and as we are meek. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The fourth one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Verse 6. So you're moving from this sort of state of poor in spirit, uh, mourning. Now it's, it's meekness. But now there's a, a desire, not just to avoid sin, but to do what is right. And to pursue righteousness. So I've determined that I'm not righteous. Now I can hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst are great words because they're very real. And they're visceral. And most of us have never truly been hungry or truly been thirsty to the point of sickness or death. But we've all felt that. We know, or in a sense, in a small way, have sensed hunger. And the blessing here is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The fullness of this blessing is really the beautiful part. Is that if I hunger and thirst for what's right, God will fill me. God will show me what is right and what is good. And he will guide me in that good path. And it, when you're satisfied, when your hunger and your thirst has been satisfied, you want other people, to, especially if it's been satisfied with a good thing, well, oh, I just had this amazing meal. I want you to try this. You should go to this restaurant. It's so good. Order this. Order that. You know, this is what God does for us, and then we want it for other people. And then you see other people come to faith, and you say, wow, that, that's such a beautiful thing. It's this hunger and thirst for, for righteousness. The blessing is that you will be filled. The fifth one, blessed are the merciful, verse 7. This is uh, the next link in the chain. This is the next rung on the ladder. It goes beyond doing what is right to doing what is merciful, merciful is even beyond right and wrong. I can do what's right, but then I can do what's right, and I can do what is generous and what is kind. We only know what mercy is because of God. 
that God has shown mercy to his people, which is beyond doing what's right. God would be perfectly justified in punishing sinners. That would be totally fine because God is holy and we sin, we are not holy. God would be perfectly right to punish us, but God extends his mercy. He goes beyond what is right to do what is merciful. That's why I say it's a step beyond right. And when we have received that kind of mercy from God, as we walk in this kingdom, we can be merciful people. We can show mercy to others. We can have mercy towards the poor. We can have mercy towards those who are depressed or mourning. We can have mercy towards people who sin against us. We can have mercy towards people who don't know God, people who are just lost. We can have hearts of mercy that pray for people in need. I mean, I highly commend that Seek God for the City devotional. They're on the desk. Take one. If you want, we have plenty. If you want to take one and give it to somebody else. Um, Because if we could all pray like that, I do believe it would actually change our community. If we pray these kind of prayers that are so outward towards others, praying God's mercy towards, towards people. And the blessing here is that blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Again, it's not we are merciful so we obtain God's mercy. It's that we've experienced God's mercy, we extend it to our world, and we are blessed with mercy back from God. That it's, we experience it in deeper ways. It's just, it's flowing, it's flowing as a blessing when we are merciful. The sixth is blessed are the pure in heart. Verse 8. So it's not just um, doing what is right. It's not just doing what is merciful, but it's doing them with pure motives. Again, that's the heart transformation. That's what that geode, uh, that Dysus had, shows us that it's pure, blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus says, on the inside. Jesus doesn't say blessed are the pure in language. He doesn't say blessed are pure in action. Jesus doesn't say blessed are pure in avoiding things that are unhealthy. Jesus said, blessed is the pure in heart, because it's from the heart that your words will flow, that your actions will flow, that, that you will act. And the blessing of the pure in heart, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. There's a connection between what's on the inside and what we're able to see. Seeing God, what does that mean? Well, if you think about it, you, could walk, you can walk through the woods and you see trees everywhere. But if you walk through the woods with somebody who, uh, who knows trees, if you've ever done this, and they say, oh, this is, they know all the different species and subspecies and all the undergrowth, and they're pointing out, and they know the name and, and the dynamic of the forest succession, and they can point it all out. It's not just trees. Or um, just, just anybody who's an expert, you know, you go, to a, you go to a yard sale and just see a bunch of junk or used stuff, and there's somebody who just is a collector and they know what's precious, and they can look at a table full of junk and see one or two items that are truly valuable. When we are pure in heart, we can walk around everywhere and see the hand of God. We see God everywhere. You read scripture and, and you see God in his word, and you, you see God in other people, and you see God everywhere It's this purity of heart that God brings about in his kingdom where we just see his work everywhere. The seventh blessing is blessed are the peacemakers. So having found uh, purity of heart, now we can have peace with other people. 
in the, the letter that in James's letter in the New Testament, it says that a lot of conflict exists, exists between people because of impure motives. But if we understand our motives and that God is purifying our motives, then we can be peacemakers in our world. And this is, this is at the heart of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that Jesus came to make peace between us and God. He came to, to reconcile the world to himself. And when we've experienced that, now we can go into our world and make peace with people. But the problem is most of us, not most of us, but me, and maybe you, are conflict avoiders. We don't want to... To be a peacemaker always costs something because it means somebody wronged you and there's the pain of having to tell somebody, you've, you've wronged me, you hurt me. Or we realize that we've wronged someone else and there's the pain of having to admit that you've done wrong and, and seek forgiveness, which you may or may not receive. There's always pain in that. So the easier thing is just, just forget it, just kind of pretend like it didn't happen. But we are called to be peacemakers. The blessing of being a peacemaker in your family, in your place of work, and in, your, and in our world, the blessing is that we will be called children of God, that people will see God in us, that our way of life really mirrors Jesus' way of life who came to make peace. We'll be called children of God, not blessed are the peacemakers for they will be children of God. It's blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children, they will be recognized as children of God because of this way of life making peace. The eighth blessing is blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. So does the peacemaker get rewarded for making peace? No. At the end of this all, you reach this place where uh, you're hated, where you're persecuted. But even in that, there's blessing. You know, you're a peacemaker, but everything's warring against it. Not every attempt of reconciliation works. And the blessing here is, is that um, great is your reward in heaven. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you, you live this way of life and you, you, you're, you're living for Christ and you're, you're making peace. And at the end of the day, the world's going to still hate it. But you know that you have an eternal home in heaven. The same blessing at the beginning when I realize I'm poor in spirit and I, I live this way of life in the kingdom you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then it's when you're persecuted, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Don't forget that the kingdom is yours. And that you are secure. And you're so blessed to be a part of it that whatever opposition we face pales compared to the blessings. Notice that all of these are so countercultural. This is so different than what the world sees as blessed. In our world, when, when somebody's rich and wealthy, say, wow, that person's really blessed. And God says, you know who's blessed? The poor, the poor in spirit. You know who's blessed? People are just so happy all the time. They're so go lucky. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. We look at people in our world who are powerful and accomplished, and Jesus said, blessed are the meek. So you know who's blessed in our world? People who are just really content, who are really satisfied. You know, they just, they have what they want. Jesus said, blessed are those who are hunger and who hunger and thirst for something more, who desire it in greater ways. We see successful people as blessed people, people who are successful by whatever means it takes to have success. Jesus said, blessed are those who refuse to compromise their integrity. 
You know who's blessed in our world? People who are popular. Celebrities. They're truly the blessed of the world. And Jesus said, you know what? You know who's blessed? Those who are hated. Those who have to suffer. All those other things that the world thinks is a blessing, it's all about the self. It's all about me. And Jesus said, in my kingdom, it's not about you. It's about emptying yourself. And you'll know these blessings. So I want you to pick one of these eight and kind of grasp it and run with it um, because it resonates or because it it doesn't resonate. uh, It's just jumping out to you. But Jesus said at the end of this message, he said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on rock. So we're going to take this and we're going to live it. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would just stir in us what you desire um, from this. Lord, we thank you that your kingdom is so full of blessings. We thank you that, you're, that following you, get, really, we experience all of these things. And yet it's so counter to the world we live in. So we pray that you continue to show it to us, to show us what it means to truly live this way of life. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.